we just want to look at a few thoughts. I'm going to take my time this morning. Um, it's a few simple thoughts. And we'll see maybe do next week at it. We don't know. We'll see how the Lord goes with it. I want to speak on insights on Isaac. Insights on Isaac. Genesis 26, please, verse 1. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee and bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed will I give all these countries and will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven and will give unto thy seed all these countries and thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. And Isaac dwelt in Gerar. When we're looking at Isaac, you know, well, there's many, many sermons that have been preached. Many studies have been taught on Abraham, Isaac's father. And I suppose there are many that have been taught on Jacob, Isaac's son. And they tend to be, it tends to be that uh, many times that Isaac seems to be left out. There's much to tell about Jacob. He sleeps on the pillow. He sees the staircase to heaven and the Angels ascending and descending. We hear of his troubles with Esau. We hear of him wrestling all night with the angel of the Lord and his name being changed to Israel. We hear all of those things about Jacob and many things about Abraham. But there's not too many things we hear about Isaac. Not as much, anyhow. Notice what it says in the first of our reading, a first verse of Genesis 26. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham, and Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. Notice something here, there was a famine. Now when we reverse back a little, here's something that you find. You find that Isaac, his father Abraham, has passed away. Abraham was 175 when he died. And we know with the angel of the Lord telling um, uh, Abraham and Sarah that they would have a child. They were, Abraham was about 100 at that time when he had Isaac. So think about it. Isaac must be around 75 years of age here. Because look at verse, chapter 25, pardon me. Chapter 25, and let your eye run down to verse 7. And these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived, and 103 score and 15, 175 years. Abraham gave up the ghost and died in good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered unto his people. And the sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah. So there he is dead. Notice again what it says in verse 11. And it came to pass that after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac dwelt in La Haroi. So we're finding here that Isaac has seen his father, 
die. He's passed away. He's now buried him. Now Isaac is realizing he's in a blessing. God's blessing Isaac because of Abraham. Then suddenly we're told here after the birth of of Jacob and Esau. We'll look at it in a moment. In our reading in chapter 26, verse 1, it says, there was a famine in the land. Now, this is the first famine that Isaac would have had. The first famine that Isaac would have experienced and went through. You see, it says after that, there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Now, Abraham, his famine was 100 years previous. And so Isaac wasn't born. So all he has known is blessing, 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 blessing through his father. And God continues to bless Isaac because of his father's faith, his father's obedience. And suddenly we're told there was a famine in the land. Here's Isaac's first famine. Imagine that. Isaac, God says, I'm going to give you a famine all of your own. I'm going to give you a famine all of your own. You see, it's okay enjoying the blessing. And it's okay when you're even as young people or children or teenagers and you come to church, as it were, with your parents and you live in a godly Christian home, in a blessed home. And God blesses you for that. But listen, everyone must come to their own encounter and experience with the Lord. Isaac was about to experience his first famine. He had went through things with his own father, but that was his covering. Now he is going to have to learn how to walk before God. You see, Christian, you and I experience our, if we want, our famines. And we would say, Lord, why am I going through this? Why is this famine coming against me? Why are you allowing this? Why am I going through this time? Why is this famine, as it were, coming in my life, in my home, in my family, in my marriage, or my service, my ministry, whatever it may be? Why, Lord, are you allowing this to happen? You see, God always has a reason for things happening, or allowing it to happen at least. And God will always work all things together for the good. To those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Notice Isaac's first famine. It was time for him to find out who God was for himself. It's no, it's no good saying, well, you know, I had godly grandparents or parents. I mean, that's good, but it's no good you relying on that. You need your own experience. You need your own walk. You need to be able to get into your trials and not be saying, well, everyone else can sort it out for me because God wants you to trust him. He wants to prove himself in your famine. He wants you to see him in it all, through it all. In your darkest moment, the Spirit spoke. He sees you right through the darkest moment. Deepest valley, he's with you in the deepest valley. But when we're with others, and others are good to encourage us, don't get me wrong, but when we're with others, it tends to be and leans itself to that we look to others first rather than the Lord. 
God says, Isaac, you're about, son, to learn who I am for yourself. Here's your first famine. Sometimes God gives us our first famine because we're in a comfort zone. Because we have become lethargic and lackadaisical in our ways and our walk with the Lord. Sometimes God gives us that famine that he pulls out like the great eagle when their chicks are becoming fledglings ready to fly and they just won't fly the coop. They won't jump from the, the, the very cragged, rocky uh, cliff edge because there's a fear in it. We're comfortable where we are. And so what the, the, the eagle does, the mother eagle starts to pull out all the, the feathers and the, the downy comfort from the nest. Throws it out. Ouch, mom. Ouch, that, uh, that's a, a branch. That's a twig that's stuck in me this morning. Ouch, I can't sleep right here. Ouch, there's something not good about this. Until eventually they say, I'm out of here, and they jump. And when they find when they jump, they learn to fly. <laughs> they learn themselves. It's no good watching mommy and daddy flying. You have to fly yourself, you see. And so same with faith here. It's, okay, Isaac, we've blessed you even in the loss of your father. But now it's time. I pull it out. It's time to learn who I am. It's time to learn to trust in me. So Isaac receives his first famine. Isaac was riding on his daddy's coattails. And you cannot ride into glory on your daddy's coattails, your mommy's coattails. You cannot ride into glory on anyone's coattails. Isaac was about to discover the importance of his own personal walk and relationship with the Lord. So Isaac's first famine, all of this for yourself, Isaac. Well, thank you so much, Lord, because sometimes when you're in your famine, you feel you're on your own. I'm all alone in this, but he wasn't. He wasn't. He did have his family, but he wasn't. He had the Lord. He had the Lord. Here's a reason why the Lord would allow this for Isaac in particular. Because Isaac not only had to become a man of faith, like his father, and not only did Isaac have to have his own walk with God, like Abraham, his father, but Isaac had a character weakness. And God was going to work on him in it. Isaac had a character weakness. What was that weakness? Isaac preferred Esau over his son, Jacob. And that was a character flaw and a character weakness. Turn to chapter 25 to be show you something. Chapter 25 And let your eye just run down to verse 27. It says of the boys, and the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents, and Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Isaac loved Esau 
Rebecca loved Jacob. Now you notice here where it says that he was a cunning hunter. Take note of this. The only other person in Scripture that is related to this is Nimrod. In Genesis 10 and verse 9, we're told of Nimrod, he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. You say, well, what's wrong with that? The idea here isn't just that he was a hunter and he done well. The idea here, he was wicked. The idea here was he set up his own idols of worship. He set up the great tower, as it were, let's build the tower to heaven. And those who did not come under his authority, he hunted down and was a tyrant in the face of God. That's what it means. He was a tyrant before God. He was a tyrant before men and two men and before God. And so it shows you, the, Nimrod is the first picture here we get of a man as Antichrist, anti-God, taking the place of God and also against God. He rebelled. So Nimrod rebelled against God. Esau, he was a sportsman. Well, what's wrong with that? The idea here isn't that he was just a sportsman. It means he sported himself. He lived an immoral life. He lived an immoral life. And he was unconcerned about God. I'm speaking to someone who knows fine rightly they're not living right before God. And you know, really, you're unconcerned about what he thinks. There are many people who fill themselves to say, well, the Lord wouldn't mind. Don't you know that the Lord is holy? Do you not know that God is righteous? And it says here that Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. Isaac was easily bought. Isaac was easily bought. You know, parent, we, we can't uh, okay our children sin because whether they're young children or grown-up children, we cannot excuse their sin because they're our children. And Isaac was excusing the life of Esau because he was easily bought over. Daddy was easily bought over. He just came and he says, but Daddy, here, look what I've got you. He had of his venison and he partook, as it were, of the things of Esau. And later in the scripture, God says, Isaac have I loved. Esau have I hated. God said that. Isaac have I loved, but Esau have I hated. So here we have Esau was unconcerned about God. Esau preferred playing out in the field, running around, doing his own thing, fulfilling his own ways and his own lusts, even long after he was a grown man, rather than working for his family and helping, serving, and going on with God. And sometimes, brother, this isn't a condemnation. I have to put it out there for people listening all over the world. Sometimes, brother, even as a Christian, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. It's time to love your wife. To really support your family. And it's time to love the Lord. Put him first. 
See, Esau didn't want to grow up. He loved playing the field. He loved doing his own thing. And Isaac had a character flaw. He partook of what he gave him. Isaac should have said, you know what, Esau? You're not bringing that to this home. You know what, Esau? You're not doing that here. You know what, Esau? I'll have nothing to do with your sin. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 16 says about Esau. It speaks of people who are fornicators and profane person as Esau. A fornicator or a profane person as Esau who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. And Isaac, you see, loved him. Oh, you see, you can love your children. I'm not saying you don't love them. Your child comes and, and they're living an immoral lifestyle. You love them as your child, but not what they do. Absolutely love them as your child, but not what they do. See, Isaac would have been told of the covenants and the promises that God gave to Abraham. And also that God had said unto his wife, Rebecca, turn to Genesis 25, please again, let your eye run down. To verse 23. She seeks the Lord and it says, And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other. Notice, and the elder shall serve the younger. Esau was the elder. That's how he gave his birthright away for a pottage of soup to Jacob. Yet the Lord had said this because the Lord had planned it and the Lord knew it. And he says, look, the elder's going to serve the younger. Rebecca knew this. And she loved the younger. She loved what God loved. She loved what God loved. Now, if there's any younger or older children here, and there are, I've got a younger and an older child. We love you the same. Talking about in this narrative. Talking about this narrative. Notice this. The elder shall serve the younger. Now, I'm sure. I suppose we have to suppose that she has told her husband this. He knew all about Abraham. He was the one who was taken up Mount Moriah and offered for a sacrifice, and Abraham was going to put the knife in. But you see, that was Abraham's encounter with God, not Isaac's. It was Abraham's. It was Abraham's faith. Isaac's going up saying, Father, here's the fire and here's the wood, but where's the sacrifice? Isaac was dumb to it all. And even then, Abraham says, the Lord will... Give himself or provide himself for sacrifice. And Aram was caught by the horns in the thicket of the bush. The Lord tells him to stay his hand and he doesn't kill him. So it wasn't Isaac's encounter, but Abraham's encounter. And when we look at this, we see that the Lord says to Rebekah, Isaac's wife, two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. The one, shall, one people shall be stronger than the other and the elder shall serve the younger. Yet Isaac loved Esau and encouraged him in his irresponsible activity. So God gives Isaac his first famine. 
He puts them on the road to refinement. Lord, why am I going through this? Maybe it's just on the road to refinement. Everything you go through, learn. Learn what God is doing. Learn what God is saying. Learn how God is leading. Isaac gets his first famine. Notice what it says in verse 2 of our reading. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Verse 3. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee. I will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed will I give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear to Abraham thy father. So here he is. He's now leaving. There's a famine, and it's time to go. It's the dirty feathers have been pulled out. God's in a refining process with him. And then suddenly he starts walking down toward Egypt. See, Egypt represents the world and in, in modern days today, it's like people are saying, well, I'm going to just keep walking, Lord. And if I go into the world, I'll go into the world. And the Lord says, no, stop. You don't get a famine to throw you into the world. You don't get a famine to cause you to go into somewhere that's full of idolatry and sin. It's a refining process. It's a defining moment in your life. He says, I am doing something. Don't go into Egypt. He says, I'm going to show you where to go. Then suddenly we read as though the Lord says, stop here. Sojourn. Sojourn. Maybe someone here has been ready to run. Ready to fall away. Something's happened and that famine maybe has come and you've decided I've had enough. And it's chipped away at your life and it's bored into your heart and it's worked away at your faith. And instead of you thinking God's doing something, you think there's nothing but enemy attack and suddenly you find yourself on the road not knowing where you were going. It's been a barren land for a while and suddenly you find yourself heading to Egypt. God says, stop here. Stop. I don't even know where my next step is. And I don't know where the next food's coming from, Lord. And I don't know if the rain's going to fall here. And I don't know how we're going to build tents here. And I don't know what we're going to do for the animals. And I don't. And your mind starts going around. That's Isaac, you see. His mind's going round and round in circles. But what about this? And what about that? And what about the other thing? And, and you're ready to jump out of your skin and run away. But you know you can't. If I get on a plane and fly away, Lord, maybe... It'll be all different in another country. Listen, it won't. Your problems just go with you. <laughs> God wants you to deal with it now. And he says he gives you the grace to do so. He gives you the ability to do so, the, the power to do it. Now notice this. Notice this. The Lord says, verse 3, Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you. Listen, see, if you go into Egypt, he says, you're not going to know my presence. You're not going to know what I have for you. You're not going to know my blessing. 
If you go down into Egypt, you're going to know all the ways of the world and all the ways of the flesh and all the ways of the devil. But if you go into Egypt, he says, how am I to bless you there? But rather, he says, now that I've told you, do as you're told. It's an enlightened conscience now you have. An enlightened conscience is when God starts to speak to us. We don't know the way. We don't know what we're going to do next. We don't know how the door's going to open or what door's going to close. But what we know is he knows. And he says, and sojourn where you are and watch me do it. Watch me accomplish it and perfect and perform that which I've spoken. Now notice this. He says, sojourn in this land and I will be with thee and bless thee. So God gave him a promise. Here's something we have to look at in verse 2. The Lord appeared unto him. This is the first time you'll read that in the case of Isaac. It's famine. I'm going to have to go. We're moving. We're walking. I don't know where we're going. And the Lord says, well, you're not going to Egypt, son. Is that you, Lord? Maybe someone even has had that happen to them. Maybe someone even right now has had that happen to them where the Spirit of God has said, well, you're not going to Egypt. I've had enough and I'm walking away and I'm going into the world. and I, This Christianity stuff, is, it's just, the world's too much for me and all the things that are happening all around me and I find it hard to, to, to find where God is in all of this. And suddenly, just boom, God speaks. He appears on the Isaac. Don't go to Egypt. You see, because you can't see him, because you can't feel him, it doesn't mean he isn't there. We know the sun is in the sky. We haven't done too bad this summer. But usually it's gray and it's cloudy and it's wet and raining and we don't see the sun a lot in Northern Ireland. Isn't that right? We would nearly believe at times the sun isn't there. <laughs> but it is. But it is. And you see, sometimes you're unable to see your way. You're unable to hear the word. You're unable to to take things in. You're unable to catch hold of the vision. You're unable to, to see where you're going and to understand the things of God. And suddenly you're going, Lord, I just can't do this anymore. And your mind starts to run. And all the thoughts that are in your mind and your sleep's away and you're, you're getting up in the morning and, Lord, I just want to run away. You know, my, my, I don't sleep really much at night. You just know that. But it's not because I, well, I do want to run away sometimes. I was going to lie there. So, but not from the Lord. Not from him, never from him. I'm trying to run to him in my mind. I'm saying, Lord, I know you're there. Isaac, you're not going to Egypt. Put your name in there. The Lord says, don't go to Egypt. Sojourn and I'll be with you and bless you. So, he has an enlightened conscience but will he take an obedient heart? I'm going to say it again for you. God appears to him. Jehovah, Yahweh, it says, appears to Isaac. See the word appeared, by the way? It, it does mean that he thought he saw. 
it's the same word that is used for, and God saw all things that were very good, or they were good, my creation. God looked and saw. Isaac looked and saw Yahweh. And that's the strength of the appearance. And he says, stop, sojourn here. I'll be with you and I'll bless you. See, now he has an, an enlightened conscience. God has spoken. But will he have an obedient heart? Do you know, there's many times as, in, as a pastor that I could write lists of people who have come and says, you know, that word really spoke to me this morning, really dealt with me this morning, really touched me this morning or challenged me or whatever way it spoke to me. And that's great. That's good. But it tends to be they're going out praising God and by the time the afternoon comes, their enlightened conscience hasn't allowed to be sink into an obedient heart. It just went on their way they were before they came under the word. You see, when God speaks to you, if you don't hear from God from now till Jesus comes, that's enough to keep you. And when God speaks to you, you dare not do any other but do what he says, even if he never speaks to you again. Notice this. Watching the clock. I'm going to have to close this up soon. He sang a little more this morning than usual, but it's just the way the Spirit led the meeting. The Lord appeared to him. Notice what it says in Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Not the steps of a good man or an upright person. That is someone who wants to go on with God. They're ordered by the Lord. They're not ordered by himself. herself. And he delighteth in the way. You know, there's times whenever the Lord's spoken to me and I have really just have not wanted to do what he has told me to do. I'm just being honest. I just didn't want to do it. Coming to Guilford was one of them. I'm being honest. Not because of you. I just didn't want to come to Guilford. I thought I was going to go to Belfast or somewhere else. The Lord says, are you going to do what you're told to do? He says, yes, Lord. I don't mean anything in Guildford. I just didn't think I was. No, I don't want to go that way. I want to go this way. So the Lord gives him the word. And sometimes when you're given the word, you're walking in it and it's... I hate this. What do you have to call me to this ministry for? What do you have to put me into children's work for? What do you have to do that for, Lord? Why do you have to call me to this church for? Why do you have to do this? You know, who's ever done that? Be honest. Be honest. There's about ten honest people here. The rest are all liars. <laughs> I do it. <sighs> But you see, when we're fully yielded to the word, when we're fully yielded to the call of God, no matter where it is, we die. 
We die that he may live through us. Lord, it's not what I want, but not my will, but thine be done. That's the idea for the Lord. Isaac's the same. You want me to stay here? You stay here and I'll bless you. You stay here, he says, I'll be with you. After round this up, I'm going to obviously carry it on next week. The Lord leads along a path a step at a time. But before he can lead us along the path, we must be on the path. I told you before, Lord, praying all this time, Lord, praying all these weeks and months or years, wherever it was, I'm saying, Lord, I'll go anywhere for you. I'll do anything for you. I just want to serve you. I'll do anything. Okay, give away everything you have. House, car, possessions, everything. Go take our wife and go to Romania. I'll go anywhere but Romania, Lord. Oh, no, no. This is what I want. So he did. So he did. And even when things after a while seem to go wrong, well, look at it again because Isaac, things start going wrong. What you told me? What about the devil attacking? And when things started going wrong, even with what had happened with Alison and I, we ended up home with nothing and a bed set. happening. We were in a famine. And when we were in that famine, God was showing us, teaching us things that we could never have learned if we had sat in the nest. Listen, see if you want to walk on water, brother. See if you want to walk on water, sister. Then you've got to get out of the boat. You must be on the path before he leads you in it. And Isaac had an enlightened conscience. Now he takes an obedient heart and he stares. I finish with this. Job says, 14 and verse 16, For thou numberest my steps, dost not thy watch over my sin. I started walking to a racing pigeon. Okay. That was the first thing I walked to, a racing pigeon. My dad raced pigeons. And I wouldn't walk, and he held the pigeon out, and I went walking to it. See, even the first time I took that step, <laughs> pigeon, pigeon. And the idea wasn't for me to catch the pigeon. <laughs> yeah, the idea, what I thought it was, I thought it was for me, I'm going to get this pigeon. The idea was to teach me to walk. And God holds things out there and says, this way. And you're going, I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that. But it's not to get that. It's to teach you to walk.
The purpose is to teach us to walk. See every step from that I took from that pigeon where we stammering step or stuttering or whatever it was we call it, struggling step. To the very steps I walk up and down the platform. I was in a meeting one time and they introduced me as Rover. They say because I rove up and down the platform. <laughs> they actually did. <laughs> we call him Rover. He roves up and down the platform. And right up to the very last step, now, he knows how many have taken. Some of us are wearing those watch things. I don't know what you call them. And you count your steps. Have to do a hundred steps. I'm in the living room. One, two, three, four, five, six. You know, oh, there's, I need a, over to the kitchen. You get your numbers and your steps up. You know what? God has numbered every one of them. Every one of them. And he comes and he says, Whoa, son. Whoa, daughter. Don't go into Egypt. But Lord, that's how I am at the minute. I'm trying to get away from the famine. I'm trying to run away from the problem. He says, no, 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 no. Circumstances around you change. People around you change. All things around you change. He says, you change. He says, but I never change. Put your trust in me, he says. You sojourn here, he says, and I will be with you and I will bless you. God numbered every step and Isaac is now in La Haruai and he makes it eventually to Gerar. Sounds good, doesn't it? Gerar means it gives the idea of a rolling countryside. It gives the idea of, uh, uh, the Arabs called it, uh, the word, the name they call it, man, water pots or water springs. Sounds beautiful when you're in the famine. But you know what? It was full of Philistines. The enemy, Bimelech, the king, was ruling over it. God says, I'm bringing you somewhere. And you get there and suddenly you go, oh, I've made it. The blessing of God. God's blessing was always on him. See, God's blessing is always on you. You just don't realize it. In your famine, God is still blessing. Oh, God's here. Surely look at the grass and the trees and the fruit and everything's great. Look at the water we have to drink. Oh, this is the blessing of God. God says, I was always blessing you. Always with you. It's only now you're seeing it. But then the enemy comes. Part two next week. In the will of God. God bless his word.